Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the D&D Fitness Radio Podcast, brought to you by your hosts, Don Saladino from New York City and Derek Hansen from Vancouver, Canada. All right, so we're going to just dive right into it. We normally don't do uh, an introduction. So, um, you know, Joel Totoro is a friend, someone that I met as I, I, I began working with uh, Thorn Research. Uh, he's the director of sports science for Thorn. Worked for the New England Patriots for eight years, which I know Derek's going to want to dive in on. You know, Derek being a football guy and working with the NFL, he's going to probably have a ton of questions. But uh, what's been fun is that Joel's um, Joel's been able to uh, jump on our Zoom calls uh, with with my challengers, and I think just given education on supplementation. I mean, I think it's a it's a market out there that it's just it, Joel. To me, it seems like the Wild West. I mean, it literally, it's. You can go into stores where things aren't regulated and you're there's so many different brands and you know people are like well wait a second there's one creatine by a gnc brand that's twice as cheap than by this other brand and you know and and um and why and, and is it that the product's not working is it just the purities less is it all the all the above so it's great having you on it's gonna be good to kind of bounce around and then ask some questions and i think the general pop's just gonna you know, get a little bit more comfortable and familiar with uh, the supplement market and the NFL. Right, Derek? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of questions. D- Derek, you want to lead off? <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you under the bus. Yeah. Like the interesting thing for me is like, uh, I'll talk to a lot. Most of the time I'm dealing with the strength and conditioning staff. So you will find, and as you know, there will be different levels of um, hands-on-ness uh, based on with nutrition. So you, sometimes it'll be the strength or performance staff that are just, Oh, we'll order the supplements and they'll go with whatever they like. Um, and then sometimes there will be dedicated nutrition professionals. Um, and it, it varies from team to team. It seems at least in my experience, um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Should every team have a dedicated professional to handle the nutrition and supplementation side I know there's there's a bunch of strength coaches out there who who do this sort of double duty, like, hey, I'm a nutrition professional and I'm a great strength coach as well. But do you think there should be um, some specificity around like who handles the nutrition side, whether it's meal planning for the players when they travel and and the supplementation? Just interested in your thoughts, Joel. Yeah, no, I really do. Um, it's just such a big part of <clears throat> kind of the whole performance and, and recovery spectrum that. Uh, it needs a dedicated professional, right? You know, I think I always say, you know, as a dietitian, I need to be conversational in, you know, physical therapy, athletic training, uh, strength and conditioning, sports psych, so that we can talk to each other and kind of have this conversation. But you kind of need a dedicated person looking through their lens to really hone in on nutrition because it is such an individual recommendation, right? So we always say there is no, uh, <clears throat> we, we, we say we're in the one size fit one profession, because there are so many factors that go in, especially at the elite level that, you know, it, it's my job. I work in the supplement industry and it's a full-time job just staying on top of the science there. So yeah, you really do need a dedicated professional. 
I have um, I have a quick question on, and this is this is very. I mean, this is kind of going back before Derek. So, why one company over the other? I think I think the biggest question that the general pop has is as they're coming in, as they stop into a supplement store or they order online. There's a lot of confusion on, you know, what should they be looking for, and why is it when you find a company, you should really kind of hold on to that company, especially if you know the purity is at a specific level. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, it's a, it, it is a largely unregulated um, <clears throat> field when you, when you compare it to, uh, you know, say like the pharmaceutical industry. There is no such thing as a pharmaceutical grade supplement, right? There's just not that level of oversight. Um, and, and because of that, there are great companies like Thorne who do it well. Um, and then there's companies who, you know, don't, have no intent to do any ill will, just maybe they, they don't spend the extra to get the quality or to, you know, re- research their, you know, their partners. And then you've got companies that are just actually dubious, right? And they're water down, watering down their product and, you know, what's on the label is not necessarily what's in the, the bottle. So uh, you've got, you know, people all over the map, but, you know, probably, probably about 15 years or so <clears throat> ago, uh, people in the industry started realizing, like, we can make a ton of money um, by being kind of unscrupulous in, in the industry. And that's when it kind of blew up and, and got a little bit crazy when we went from being you know, uh, questioning more like, will this work? Will this be absorbed to full on, you know, is this potentially going to cost me some eligibility, right? So uh, it's been crazy. And, and, you know, knowing more now being on the supplement side of things, just knowing how much, you know, cost and effort and quality control it takes to get a clean product. I mean, the amount of uh, products we turn away or ingredients we turn away from our quality control, um, it, it's astronomical. And, you know, when we, when we turn those back, you know, and, and obviously it's great that we do that. Not every company does, but they're not just going to throw that batch out. They're just going to sell it to somebody else that won't, you know, won't test it. So it is, it is really hard to get to a final clean product that does what it says it does. So you guys yeah. test, do you guys test every batch? Is that something that's even possible mm-hmm. to do? Like when you guys make a protein powder or you make your creatine high, uh, monohydrate, I would imagine that just gets put into the, into the bottle or the canister and, and on the shelf and off to the store it goes. No, we do. We do an incredible amount of testing. You know, it's a, li- a large part of our operating budget is for testing, you know, um, and, and we have a, we have a quarantine area. So when the product comes in, you know, it's set in this area, quarantine until it's tested, won't go anywhere, you know, all the way down to, you know, some of our products have cotton on top of it. So we test that for pesticides, right? Those are oh, the wow. detail we go through. And then yes, testing on the outside. I mean, we have a lab right there in our facility uh, before it goes to you the consumer. And then for some of our products that are more applicable to the sports world, we, uh, we do an outside certification, which is called NSF certification for sport, which tests against all the banned substances at the Olympic and pro level, um, as well as contaminants, pesticides, heavy metals, that kind of thing. Yeah. Cause uh, I mean, for me, I have no clue. Like if I don't have people like yourself and Don to lean on and say like, Hey, what do you think about this product? I'm kind of going with like, I guess you get what you pay for. So I might have to spend more money, but then who knows? Like I have this vision in my head that everybody's pulling from the same factory in China, right. To make their products and then slapping nice labels on it. And then, Hey, let's sign that athlete to be our spokesperson. And the marketing seems to be more important than the product. And I'm just, I'm just saying as a lay person, like, how do you know? Yeah, so uh, you're, you're kind of spot on there. Rarely is it, you know, I would say Thorne's a, a research and wellness company that has a supplement, whereas a lot of other companies are a marketing brand that has a product, which happens to be supplements. Um, you know, we have, we have a number of PhDs, medical doctors, naturopathic, uh, <clears throat> naturopathic doctors, registered dietitians, all in-house, full-time, dedicated to this science side, you know. Um, and we, you know, we have up to, you know, 20 research projects going on at any time from, you know, conception to, to completion. And we, we partner with the Mayo Clinic, you know, we're one of the only, we are the only supplement company they'll do research with. So, um, you know, Thorne does it differently. There's a couple of companies out there that do it differently and take it seriously and, you know, see themselves as kind of a player in the healthcare space and, and the kind of, um, the responsibility to play in that space. Right. But you're right. Uh, very few people realize it's, it is kind of a warehousing for a lot of companies. And um, you know, there are a lot of, lot of <clears throat> uh, companies that just white label, right. So they just make vitamin C, right. And it's the same you're getting, whether it's, you know, this fancy label or that fancy label, it's the same, very few people manufacture their products the way that Thorne does. So um, yeah, you are a lot of times just getting 
you know, the same kind of batch that's going around. But the question is then what, what uh, additives have they put in it? You know, how much are you actually getting? I've got a colleague and she always says, uh, it's not you are what you eat, it's what you eat and can absorb. So a lot of these companies will put binders and fillers in their product that, you know, may interfere with absorption. So like you said, you know, it, are you getting your bang for your buck? You know, so <clears throat> a whey protein powder that you're going to use 90% of, you know, may be more expensive, but to get that same amount of actually absorbable protein, you probably have to use two of the cheaper one, right? So you kind of have to, it is that, it is tough to kind of just walk in the store and be like, what do I take and why? So um, <clears throat> yeah. And that's one of the things we're, we're trying to do at Thorne is put out as much education as we can, you know, uh, if you have the science and if you have the information, then you can make that one size fits one uh, choice for yourself. No, it's fascinating because the first thing that you went into was absorption, right? Like, well, you know, you know, maybe one product, you have to have twice the amount to absorb, but like even beyond that, I've heard of some nightmare stories of, you know, specific um, ingredients put into these, um, into these supplements. I mean, I, as bad as I think over a decade ago, there was a company that pulled their product off the shelf because it was a pre-workout because they actually found traces of crystal meth in it. Right. So I've, I've heard some terrible stuff. Um, but how often, I, I mean, giving, giving examples, how often, like what percentage of the products on the shelf would you have to take a stab or a guess at and say, you know what, no, it's 50% of the companies, 80 percent of the companies like do you guys have an idea on what we're actually battling with because the way that i look at it, if someone's going to go out and buy a cheaper product and not get anything out of it like what the hell you're just throwing money out of out, out the door there's some people well this company's expensive but it's actually working or it's actually going to do what the product says it's it, it's going to do so you're better off just not taking anything or going and spending more money on a on a supplement but in your experience how often do you guys find that products aren't what they say they are yeah, I would say at best, maybe 20% of the companies do it to the level we do, you know, and, and I'm wow. being optimistic there, right? So um, to get not only, the, you know, there's a difference you were talking about that pre-workout, that's, like I said, that's intentional, uh, you know, <clears throat> misinformation and intentional doping. I think very few of those stick around, you know, it's just not, uh, you know, you, you don't last long enough, people catch on, right? But you make money quick and then you... They shut it down, put a new name on it, new label on it, do it again for three years. So they're shut down. So I think there's probably relatively few of those. I think there's just a ton in the middle that, you know, use the binders, use the fillers, use poorly absorbed <clears throat> versions of uh, the ingredients. So I'd say, yeah, I'd say, I'd say probably 20, 10 to 20% have that you're going to get the product, what's in it, only what's in it, and it's going to work right for you. So that's pretty, uh, pretty small lot out there. And uh, like I said, again, it's not necessarily profitable to make a huge to you know to make a, a clean product uh, not that it's not profitable but there's so much extra work that you have to care about to put into your product um to get to that final product where you know thorn we could stop seven percent you know seven steps before we finish um and and large percentage of the population wouldn't notice right but we do and we know right so we we do go that extra mile you know like i said there's there's a handful of companies that are, are kind of doing it well you know, you mentioned the, the wild, wild west. I feel like we're kind of, you know, the white of the Wyatt Earps, you know, there's, there's very few of us, but uh, there are some good companies out there that take it seriously. I, I had a question, Joel, like, and, and it was kind of off of uh, Dawn's reference there because we had my, my daughter's asking questions. She's 14 years old and she's on TikTok and she says, oh, these people were taking these supplements and, you know, should I take pre-workout? And we, we, we had a question go out to Dawn and he had a great answer, but for young people, what, what, what guidelines do you have for them in terms of like supplementation? Should they just avoid it? Should they just be focusing on diet? Is there anything that could be of use or should, you know, they just stay away for a while? Yeah. So uh, I, I look at supplements kind of a couple different ways. Like in my mind, what I would consider like a clinical supplement, like, are you actually treating a deficiency or whatnot? Like things like vitamin D, you know, it's just not prevalent in the diet. Right. And, you know, if you're living, you know, Northern part of the, the, the country in the winter, you're just, you're not going to get enough. Right. So things like that can make sense, you know, things like a probiotic that are just kind of uh, human needs. Um, there's those supplements. Right. And I think those are safe, you know, with guidance, you know, obviously you always talk to your, to your healthcare practitioner, but with guidance, there's kind of, is this kind of a, a food replacement or am I missing this in diet due to an allergy? You know, those are kind of one form of supplements. And then there's kind of the performance enhancement and the, you know, like, am I trying to maximize my potential? For still growing kids, I generally 
focus on calories first, just because it takes so much to grow. Like, I think we miss that a lot. We, we calculate, okay, we did this much exercise. We need this much fluid, but forget to do the calories of, you know, I'm physically creating new tissue, just growing, right. Just going through puberty. And I think a lot of times we miss that total calorie need. Um, and it's something we see, it's called a, a relative, relative energy deficiency in sport. And it's a kind of a, a combination of negative outcomes that happen if you're constantly under fueling. And, you know, a lot of times it's not intentional, you know, there's, there is a, a plan, you know, I was a distance runner in high school and I was just an idiot. Right. And, and by the end of it, I was like borderline anemic from just because I was doing too much and not taking enough in. Right. And I would have never known until it popped on a, a physical. Right. So uh, it's very easy to underconsume at that youth level. So I was, I was focused on, you know, are you hitting your calorie needs just to grow and do the physical activity you're doing? At, once we get there, and like I said, kind of as you've done growing, if you kind of have a, what I would say, an adult body, then we can start looking at some performance enhancement and 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 some of the other products. But you know, rarely if you're not if you're not fueling the the I would say, you have to ch- take care of the human and human performance. And if you're not fueling the human needs, it doesn't matter. At that you're not going to get that top two percent that you're looking for that extra edge if you're not taking care of your foundational needs. Yeah, no, I mean, I find it, I find it helpful, but that's also because I feel like my nutrition's dialed in and my training's dialed in. So when I'm on a, a good supplement regimen and I'm actually, you know, my home's in construction. So I could see in my office right now, literally all the thorn products that I have up there, but there's certain things I feel like are the um, kind of the staples of my yearly regimen. And, and one is yes, getting in a whey protein. And I don't really look at, it's funny. I don't really look at whey protein as, um, um, yes, I, I'm supplementing a meal, but it's not as it's more like to, for me, it's more like a meal replacement or a way for me to kind of get something in that my body really needs because of my training, but getting into a lot of the things that the questions that people have about what are the standard supplements you should be taking? Um, I, I know, you know, I'm getting my, um, magnesium in, I'm getting my vitamin D in, I'm getting my multi in and, you know, I, most of the year I'll probably consume a fish oil as well. Uh, those are the four things that I feel like don't really change that much. Is there anything else? Do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? What would you tell the general pop who's coming aboard and they want to, you know, say, listen, you know, I, I want to give myself a little bit of a boost. I'm sure my nutritional plan, my nutrition plan isn't giving me all the vitamins and minerals that I need. What should, you know, John Smith be taking or Jane Doe be taking if they're going to start off? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a perfect kind of, those are the ones that off the top of my head, I always go to too, as kind of a, a rarely does anyone's diet meet those needs. <clears throat> and uh, we actually did a study that, that will be uh, coming out publicly uh, with, with athletes, you know, it's coming all coming from, you know, power five schools where they had a dietitian, if not three, you know, they had strength coaches, they had unlimited meals. And we did find those things are pretty common. And, you know, a lot of other uh, researchers you know, kind of supported this. It is the, you know, omega-3 index. So your fish oils, it is magnesium, which is something people don't really realize. But to me, it, it's especially in athletes, like almost as prevalent as vitamin D deficiency, right? And then the vitamin D deficiency. So those are kind of like three big ones there. Um, I do think pr- protein is important, specifically around workouts. Um, it is kind of the the message that tells the body to stop recovering, you know, so you're, you're going to be in this negative deficit until your body's like, Oh, okay, we're done doing that. Okay. Let's switch over to recovery. Um, and like you said, <clears throat> I consider whey protein similar to, um, you know, when I was talking about like a, a food type supplement, I mean, it's dried milk, right. Essentially. So, um, and your body doesn't really care if the protein's from an egg or from a scoop of protein. Right. But it is, it's a, that convenience factor. And, you know, you do have to take into fact, is your gut ready to take in food post-workout, right? So we know the timing of getting protein in our system to our muscles to start recovering is important. Um, you know, so so we have to do that. But, you know, a lot of people aren't going to sit down and eat a chicken breast right after they work out, right? So it's understanding, you know, when when a supplement is the the most convenient or the the right choice for you at that time. So um, I, think, I think those are standards, you know, I think <clears throat> as a whole, uh, just Americans, but specifically, uh, you know, athletes that maybe not at the elite level that are testing it daily is, is hydration level, right? It, it really does impact so much. And there's, you know, stats <clears throat> upon stats and research upon research of how just 2% of your body weight dehydration impacts, you know, uh, starting time and free throw percentage and really everything in sports. So it really does matter. Um, so that's one I think people like 
one of those where it's a simple tweak, but, you know, people always come back to me and they're like, wow, I feel amazing, you know, and I'm like, well, that should be your normal, right? This should be baseline. This shouldn't be extra, right? So I think there's those, I think, you know, for people like, and then from, from there, you kind of look at you specifically. I always kind of go like head to toe, like, okay, how's my focus? How's my cognition, you know, and brain fog, you know, how's my, how do I physically feel my joints, you know, and kind of just go through the body. How's my gut feel, you know, am I doing okay there? And from there, I'll kind of jump off and, and add pieces, you know, like I said, to get to that, that individual prescription. But uh, <clears throat> I think those are the really good foundations. Like I said, you have to treat the human first before the body will even consider being elite. So um, I think those are great. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of creatine, uh, just baseline for most people if you're using muscles and, and especially the kind of active aging population where, you know, you want to maintain muscle integrity. So I think we're seeing research there that really supports it. We're looking at, you know, how creatine impacts the brain in general, but also post-concussive. So um, there, there's just a lot there where I, I think a lot of people, it's a, it's a good kind of, I call it the multivitamin for the muscle, you know, and then, uh, you know, if you know, you've got some deficiencies from allergies or just foods you avoid, uh, a good multi is always kind of a good little insurance policy. So th- those are kind of the, the, if I don't know anything about you, those are ones I think will probably make an impact. And then, you know, as I, you know, every fact I know about you will then kind of tailor that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, hydration, Joel. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I, I'm thinking specifically about muscle cramps, um, particularly as it happens in a game. How would you normally address that? Because I know it's not necessarily just throwing more fluid into somebody. It can be very complicated. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so there's a couple different steps you go through. Like, you know, there is the first one is always, you know, do we have enough muscle, uh, enough fluid in the muscle? You know, I have a, a colleague that also explains like your muscle can be, you know, a, a raw sirloin, perfectly malleable, or it can be that same piece of meat as jerky, right? Which one do you want to go out on the field with? Which one's going to tear faster? So there is that aspect of it. And then we look to electrolytes. So, you know, you think about your sweat, it's salty, you know, that's coming out of you. Are we putting enough back in, right? Or did we have enough to begin with? So I think there, those are kind of the baseline if you're not paying attention to hydration. Um, but a lot of the, the athletes I work with that, you know, we, we can't figure it out. You know, I know how much is, you know, we measure their sweat weight, sweat rate. We know how much fluid is going in them. Okay. That's not the answer. Um, and that's kind of actually how I found Thorn. Uh, we were starting to look at magnesium, you know, so in the muscle, you need calcium and magnesium to kind of contract and relax. And, and most people just stop at the salts and don't realize what else is in your sweat and what else is involved in, um, you know, muscle uh, physiology, right? So um, that's where I started realizing. And, and when you test normal magnesium, serum magnesium, it's not really representative of what's in the body, just like calcium comes in and out of the bone. So um, you have to do like an extra test. So once we started looking at those, so it's red blood cell magnesium, we started realizing that like some of these athletes are like clinically low. Like if I saw this back in my hospital days, you know, it'd be something we'd be replete right there. So I think a lot of times people miss the calcium magnesium factor. And then uh, the kind of last one with none of that works is, you know, that can be neurological and that takes a little bit longer to figure out, right? But uh, there is a difference between um, like a slow to relax muscle and actual cramping muscle or a fatigue muscle. Um, I tell the story often, but uh, one of my biggest, not failures, but it took me way too long to figure this out. I had an athlete, football player that cramped only on game days, right? Couldn't figure it out. And, uh, or felt like he was about to cramp on game day and I knew it, you know, like we did everything. We sent him to a, a hydration lab and then I look, he was, you know, he was wearing shoes. He doesn't, he only wears on game day. So a different brand. And he was, you know, taped up in a way he normally wasn't. And he's a nervous guy. So he's bouncing up and down on his calves pregame. Right. And it took me weeks. I just happened to look over there. So he's just using muscles in a way he normally hadn't before. So he was more like fatiguing the kind of supportive muscles. And that's when he was like, okay, I'm feeling something. This is what feels like when I'm about to cramp. Uh, so, you know, it took us weeks in, of trying to figure out all these different remedies. And in reality, it was a physical issue, right? So sometimes it's not even, uh, it's not even a cramp, right? So it is, it, and that's, you know, to your, your previous question to kind of kick it off, why you need 
you know, at the highest level, why you need someone really looking at all these different factors, right? So, you know, if we have an athlete and, and something's happening to them, you know, I got to look through my, my lens. Are there any nutrient deficiencies we're missing? You know, is the energy there? You know, strength and conditioning, is he strong enough? Is, is there stamina there? Uh, athletic training, you know, is there, uh, is he physically able to do it? You know, is there any nagging injuries? And then sports psychology, is there anything going on? So what's happening to the athlete is true. And you, when you have all these different lenses, that's when you get to the, the perfect answer faster. But, you know, when you don't have someone who's, you know, was able to just step aside and watch this athlete the whole way through his pregame work, workout to figure out what was different, um, that's when we were able to get the answer. But, we, you know, he could have gone a career before anyone noticed that he was wearing different shoes differently. You know, it's so interesting how you could spend your entire year, your entire career preparing for a moment, you know, through training, through skill acquisition. And then if you're dehydrated, if you're not fueled properly that given day, you literally can throw it all out the window. And, and, and to me, so when Derek asked that question, you know, we all know the answer. We all know the answer is like, yes. And we were trying to answer this right, right now for the, for the public who's, who's listening. I almost find that organizations are putting too little value into this. It's almost like an afterthought. Like, oh yeah, you know, maybe we'll bring a nutritionist in. I'm like, are you crazy? Like bring some, don't bring someone in, bring someone in who is relatable, you know, bring someone in who's going to gel with the community and be able to have that conversation and that your team's going to trust, you know, just don't get some, you know, some, some schmuck off the, off the street with a weekend certification, get someone who's really going to be relatable. So your athletes are going to be able to absorb and take that information and run. Because I, I, I know for a fact, as well as you and Derek, that if you're not prepared that day, or a, you're not preparing a couple of days per, uh, before from a hydration and nutritional standpoint, it's that much more difficult to uh, be successful. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think you're right. And it's crazy to me, you know, when I started 2004, I was the only full-time uh, sports dietitian in all of the major sports, you know, and there was a handful in college. And in that 15 years now, I mean, there's not a power five team without our college, without at least one, multi most, most on multiple, you know, almost all the pro teams have at least a consulting dietitian, if not a full-time. So in, in 15 years, you know, and, it, and what it was is, you know, people like, you know, Tom Osborne, Bill O'Brien's, uh, <clears throat> Bill Belichick's, all these visionaries, uh, you know, saw this is an area I'm, I'm not taking advantage of. This is an advantage I can have over teams if, if we're stronger in the fourth because we're fueled better, you know, uh, my coaching is going to be on point, but what else can I do to, to really, you know, get an advantage over somebody? And that's when, you know, the kind of recovery war started. Is there anything out there um, that you look to provide during, say, a rehabilitation process? So um, I know, you know, there was a guy um, out of California who was talking about, you know, giving people like uh, Knox gelatin for tendon health and all that. Are there any other things that we can do during, say, a muscle injury or a post-surgery that you would look to add to their regimen? Yeah, so it's funny, um, funny you mentioned that. And, and I think it's kind of often overlooked um, when people just see, you know, uh, sports, they see, you know, game day, you know, they see, you know, walking down with the, with the Gatorade and the towel and whatever, but it, it really is, uh, you know, like I said, my uh, original, you know, when I came out of college, I was working in ICU and trauma, right? And so I brought that over to, uh, you know, brought it over to the NFL, you know, so I just went into the, the physical therapist and athletic trainer. And, you know, so every time we had someone with a surgery, I was like, okay, well, this is what I would have done. You know, I have a rehab pro program for for an inpatient, why don't I have one here? You know, so we started building those out and, you know, kind of making sure that <clears throat> I know what the, the demands of, you know, the return to play and the rehab are, but first we have to recover, right? So there's a couple different phases. Like there, there's supplements you can have to physically speak to the integrity of the wound or to the, you know, repaired ligament, what it is. So that's where you look at things like collagen, you look at vitamin C, you look at zinc, right? To physically build that scaffolding, right? And then we have to look at, uh, you know, managing inflammation, you know, after that initial post-surgical period, um, <clears throat> you know, so there is, you know, kind of damage both from the surgery and from the injury, but also during rehab, right? That's what rehab is, is progressively loading the, the, the limb to get back to normal. So uh, there's that. So we have to think about that. Okay, that phase is kind of happening. And then there's the return to play. We're literally recreating new muscle, right? And so there's the muscle integrity, things like the creatine, amino acids, protein, um, you know, beta alanine for stamina. So those are all things we look at, you know, there, there's a couple of different phases of where you are from physically under the knife to getting back to that, you know, uh, 
75%, 80%, 90%, and then back to where you were pre, pre-surgery or pre-injury. So yeah, I think there's that. And then I think, uh, you know, on the flip side, there's that's full on surgery, but then they're managing the day-to-day, you know, the bruising and, the, you know, so we look at things like <clears throat> bromelain, which is a pineapple extract, which helps with bruising, right? And then we do look at that managing the inflammation. So whether it's curcumin, whether it's, you know, fish oil, all those different things that just kind of help the body re- respond to uh, the normal inflammatory response to exercise, right? It just happens even when you and I are, are training casually and it's not, we don't feel pain. There's still inflammation that's happening and your body has to account for that. Sorry, guys. Yep, I was on mute. Uh, backing up for one second, it, it, a very common question asked is about whey protein powder versus food, right? And, you know, in, in the past, it was always, you know, get real meals in, you know, we understand the importance of that with, with the micronutrient ratios and the bioavailability of products. But this whey protein nowadays, it's getting pretty damn good, right? I, I mean, what would you say from a bioavailability, bioavailability standpoint? Obviously, it depends on the individual. If an individual is having six ounces of chicken, how much they're going to absorb really comes down to their things like digestion, their gut health, et cetera. Um, do you find through a lot of your test and research that what you guys have found with Thorn? It's pretty close in reference to the quality of protein that you're getting in, or do you still uh, believe that, you know, it is, it is a shade below real animal protein? Yeah. So as far as actual usable protein and biological value, <laughs> a, a true whey protein isolate um, is up. It's pretty high. So there's a actual research has been done and they kind of set the uh, like the most usable protein as an egg. Right. And that's one. So it kind of goes off that. So, uh, whey protein is, is always up there, you know, sometimes better than an actual whole food, right? Because there are other things you have to get through in a, in a food. Um, so from a pure usable protein standpoint, yeah, it's just a great source. And to me, it's, it's a convenience thing, right? It's your body doesn't really care the difference between that chicken and egg. It's total amount, right? As long as it's a whole pro, a complete protein, you know, you're getting the amino acids you need, the, the parts of the protein you need. Um, <clears throat> but then you, you do have to consider like, yes, you know, when I'm eating an egg, there are other nutrients in there that may not be in the whey protein. So as long as you understand that, but you know, it's just like, you know, you would never use a glass of milk as your only source of protein either. Right. So it's just knowing that where it fits into your, your pattern. And, um, you know, I, again, as I mentioned, you have to put the factors of convenience. Can I get a, an actual other source of protein in me fast enough? Uh, <clears throat> and then can I, can I tolerate it GI wise? And, you know, what else is going on, you know, so like the active actually endurance training, you know, literally kind of pulls the cells of your gut apart. So, uh, you know, it's actually less, it's in less of a good place to absorb the nutrients, right? So at that point, you know, will a whole food get uh, absorbed as easily as something that's kind of already a couple of steps down the, you know, just a little bit of digestion needed. So, you know, that's, that's where we would look at kind of whole pro, uh, whey protein as the option. Well, that's... what about for, uh, for, sorry, Derek. Yeah, no, I, you're probably asking the same question, but I'm like, do you have vegan or vegetarian athletes that you have to now sort of provide supplementation for and, and navigate that? Yeah, so there there are, uh, there's been, gosh, I think we all remember the original uh, ve- vegan and vegetarian proteins that were less than less than palatable, right? Uh, so that we've come a long way and we learned a lot science-wise and in blending different things together. So whether it's rice and pea together kind of come close to looking at, um, you know, what a whey protein profile would be or like a, an egg or a complete protein. So there are some amino acids that aren't as prevalent in the, in the vegan sources, but um, we've been smart enough to either com- make a combination of, of different proteins where this one's strong in theanine, where this one's weak, right? So we can make a blend that kind of approaches it and most of them come, come close, but it is, yeah, you have to look into certain like kind of dig deep and learn about the the amino acids and it may just be you need 25 grams of vegan protein to match 20 grams of whey right just to get the total oh so it's not that big of a discrepancy anymore you you can't really have that argument anymore saying that vegan protein has less of an amino acid profile than say whey protein or you're not going to be able to build muscle on vegan protein you're just saying that the absorption with vegan protein is a little bit less, like you might have to have a little bit more of it to, to equate to what you might be getting out of a high quality whey isolate. Yeah. So for example, the one I always look at, so leucine is the amino acid. So the part of the protein that, that triggers that your body from going from breaking down muscle to starting recovery. 
Um, so to get, we want between, you know, 2.3 to three grams of that. Um, so a lot of, a lot of vegan proteins to get the leucine, if we're just isolating that, it, you would probably need about 25 grams as opposed to 20 grams of, of whey protein. So, um, you know, it, it's really just knowing where you are. And, and again, if, if it's pro, where vegan protein is going to be a, a regular source, if you know it's low in, you know, a certain amino acid, uh, but you know, that's really high in a food, cool. Just eat more of that food. Right. So it's not, you know, your, your body's not isolating. Did I get all my needs from this protein? You know, it's still handling it throughout the day. So you can, you can know that, but yes, I think most of the companies, the, the better companies out there that are, they're designing it with this blend of, of proteins that complement each other so that you do get close to a pretty a whole protein source or a full complement of amino acids. Now you've worked, uh, if I remember correctly, you've worked in both say college environments and pro environments. What are the main differences there that you found in terms of like managing say student athletes versus the, <laughs> the I was going to say the particularities, but the peculiarities of a pro athlete and their, their different preferences and how they think. Yeah. And I, I kind of did it backwards from the way most people journey. So I started in pros and, and then trickled down to college just to get the kind of that experience. And for me, the kind of biggest shock in the beginning, or for me, the, the growth I had to do is, you know, when I started in the NFL, I was the same age as most of the guys, right? You know, and it was it was more of a, a peer and we were just, you know, I was part of the team, you know, I was part of the support team and it was just made sense that I was there. Uh, whereas when I went to the collegiate level, yeah, the bodies are physically pretty similar, but they're 17, they're 18, right? So I'm, I'm more of a coach, I'm a mentor. You know, these guys are you know, five-star recruits, but, you know, they miss their mom, you know, so that was kind of like a, an adjustment, like I had to be a different person, and I had to connect differently, some of the things at the pro level that I've just been, you know, kind of reinforced, they're just part of the routine, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about some of those softer skills, you know, it was just kind of like, at the pro level, I was like, oh, here, we're all here, do your job, you know, the goal is a Super Bowl every year, right, whereas college, like I legitimately was, I felt a lot more like a coach and a mentor than, than whatnot, and, and the base skills just kind of aren't there, you know, I remember one story I tell often about kind of really making sure you, you know, if you're counseling somebody or, or you're coaching somebody, you do have to know everything about them, right? Or really tr treat them as a person. But, you know, I had these offensive linemen at Michigan. They were awesome. You know, they scheduled their classes as close as possible. So they had to train together. You know, one of the parents had a Costco card so that, you know, they were living off campus. Mm -hmm. They, you know, helped them you know, write meals and plan everything. And we went to Costco, kind of taught them how to shop, you know, navigate that because many of them had not, you know, done shopping for themselves, which another thing you'd never thought about. And it happened to be snowing. So the nice guy I was running the, the groceries in with them and I looked around and I was like, do you guys have any pots or pans? You know, so I had this great plan and then they had no skill to cook, you know, so we had to like dive into that. But I could have just, if I had just backed out of the driveway, uh, that they would have, you know, failed. And that was, that's a coaching tip where I have to learn, like, do not only am I giving the knowledge, but do I give you the, so what, and the tools to really get to, to make that habit and part of your lifestyle. There's been a little argument about branch chain amino acids. And if you're getting enough protein in throughout the day that, you know, it's, you know, uh, causing you just to have expensive urine. What's your, what's your, what's your take on that? Do you feel like for an athlete who's trying to put muscle on, regardless of whether they're receiving enough protein or not, it's still a supplement that they should be taking? Uh, situationally, right? So I consider it like, it is just a form of protein. Like it's one step down the line, but you know, it's just like we have whole milk and then we pull the whey out, right? And then we, you know, make whey isolate and pull the extra stuff out, right? And then we just go one step past that, right? So amino acids, so they're a low calorie uh, version, but it is at the end of the day, when it hits your bloodstream, there's less digestion involved, but it's still the same mix of amino acids, right? So um, there's a time and a place. Now, if you had a full meal and have, are meeting your protein needs, then yeah, it's just an expensive source of protein, right? But, you know, we've used it in, you know, weight management sports, uh, you know, when there's specific weights they have to hit. So to make sure we are hitting the physiological needs for amino acids without a calorie, right? Or, you know, when you're in trauma recovery, when the needs are just so high, we can pump a little bit more amino acids in there. Right. And there are, uh, <clears throat> I do like to when possible provide the entire uh, amino acid mix as opposed to just the branch chains. So that's just a structurally there's, there's three that kind of are branch chains in their structure. Um, the reason they get the attention is because I mentioned leucine earlier, right? The one that triggers recovery for the muscle um, that is a branch chain amino acid. So yes, that needs to happen, 
but your body has a need for the rest of the amino acids as well, right? So you can't just take one, just like you can't take vitamin C and think you're good on vitamins, right? You need the Bs, you need A, you need D, right? So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so amino, uh, branch chain amino acids and amino acids in general, um, there's a time and a place and, and, you know, I've used them when I'm traveling and, you know, just the food sources were poor, right? And I was like, all right, well, I need some protein amino acids, right? So now, yes, is that, if that's the plan to get my protein needs every day, yeah, it's going to be pretty expensive. But to say expensive urine, that 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 uh, kind of predicts that you're not absorbing it. So your body absorbs and uses amino acids. It's just a matter of, uh, are they the right choice at that time? It's the one supplement that I feel like I gauge according to my day, right? So th- there might be a day if, if, if my meals are a little tighter, and they're spaced out a little bit closer to my, to my training times. Um, I don't necessarily need it, but if there's a little bit more of a gap, if I'm eating maybe two and a half hours before I train, you know, that might be something I begin sipping like right before workout and drink throughout the workout. And it does, it helps substantially. It isn't something where I'm like, Oh, I wonder if this is working or not, even from uh, being satiated and from a, an actual fuel standpoint, never actually getting hungry during the workouts or crashing. I mean, these are all things that actually I feel helps out, but it's one of those supplements where I, I feel like I may not need every day, even though I probably take it 90% of the time. Yeah. I, I call it a cheat code for protein, right? So it, it is just, it's in your blood really quick. Right. And so that is the thing, like you mentioned some of the things you're feeling now, you know, I, I always talk about, and, and this isn't my original thought, but uh, somebody once referred to the body as a survival machine, right? And when we think about like all your body cares about is like literally not dying, right? So when you're training, it doesn't know the difference between that stress. You know, part of your body doesn't know the difference between that stress. You know, are you bench pressing? Or are you stuck under a boulder, right? Are you running sprints? Or are you running away from a buffalo, right? So uh, the, your body gets in this little panic mode. So things like having the amino acids in the bloodstream, because they do get there quickly, because there's not as much digestion needed. Um, it is kind of like, a, okay, we're cool, right? Having that in the bloodstream means like, lets your body know like, okay, we, we have a plan for this. We're going to be okay. Recovery is ready to happen as soon as we're ready to do it. Um, so it does have a, an impact of, of having the nutrients in the, in the bloodstream and available it does trigger all these different pathways in the body that kind of go more towards, okay, stop panicking about just trying to survive this exercise bout. And uh, let's make sure we're, we're looking at all the other things we need to do, you know, heart rate and breathing and all those things we do without thinking about. So there is a, the speed at which amino acids can get in the blood. That's something you can take advantage of and the portability. And, you know, again, it's a, you mix it in thin liquid and, you know, there's rarely a GI issue with it. Right. So um, those are all the times you would use it. But again, when it gets to the bloodstream, your body doesn't know the difference between the um, leucine from an amino acid supplement or an egg. I have a selfish question, Joel. I am turning 52 this year, and I don't know if you specialize in geriatric supplementation and nutrition, but um, one of the things, and Dawn isn't getting any younger either, let's be honest. No. Um, one, <laughs> one of the things that I had a question about I- was, <laughs> was um, what, what should somebody like myself, as I'm getting older, and I find one, if I look at a donut, I get fatter. Um, my energy's not as good. My sleep's not, you know, if I have alcohol or caffeine, it disrupts my sleep. What are some key things that I should be focusing on as I enter my golden years in terms of nutrition and supplementation? Yeah, so I think there, there's a couple of things there. Like you're right, there are just certain things that, you know, happen with age, right? So one of the things we look at a lot is uh, nicotinamide riboside, um, which, you know, it's uh, that and NAD are, you know, related in, in the uh, kind of metabolic pathway they, they live in. Um, those are getting a lot of attention. So that and one of the things they would do is they kind of support uh, your mitochondrial health, which is something that's, you know, your mitochondria kind of act independently as their own little organi- organism in, within ourselves. Um, but they just naturally degrade over time. Right. So supporting that has some major downstream effects as far as energy and just aging. Um, and more and more research comes out about that all the time. Um, I think one of the biggest things I focus on is, like you said, uh, you know, metabolism drops and, and whatnot is supporting the ability to be active. And now uh, there actually has to be obviously on the other side, the intention to be active and, and do everything you do, but the, the quality of life and uh, the longevity of people who are, and, you know, I'm not saying you have to run a marathon every year, but just, you know, even if it's just, you know, walking or, or whatnot, just some kind of movement, just kind of a little bit of injury prevention and, and just a lot of, you know, we 
we could spend an hour about the benefits of, of exercise, you know, from brain on down, but um, we do see, you know, some of the uh, factors to longevity or increases to mortality happen from injuries. You know, hip is one of the most devastating injuries for people, you know, and it's it just, you think about you go from being even moderately active to not being active and then you're in bed and all the kind of negative downstream things that happen from inactivity. Um, so that's one of the things I think is most important is, uh, is really taking care of how, how active and kind of your joints and whatnot, your, what's preventing you from being active and kind of triaging that backwards. I think those are kind of the, the biggest things, you know, I mentioned creatine for just muscle health and, and aging, you know, those, you know, muscles kind of tend to waste as we age. So physical activity will keep them intact, but also giving them the nutrients they need to kind of have the, the best possible um, chance to, to keep you active, right, and recover from that day to day. And then from there, it's just knowing your body, paying attention, doing that triage, doing a checklist of, okay, what, what feels out of whack, you know, getting frequent, you know, as frequent blood work yearly to see, okay, what's out of whack there and, and kind of do I have a plan for that? Um, and just kind of, you know, you do have to be a little bit more intentional as you age to, you have to work to prevent aging, you know, whereas we're young, you know, it's just going to happen anyway. And we're, we're able to handle a lot of things. Um, but, you know, you've got, you know, years, 50 years of buildup uh, of, you know, kind of just experience that your body's, you know, done, you know, we all have scars, we've got all this stuff. So uh, just knowing that that's, I guess, not ignoring the fact that it's happened, but kind of getting aggressive and being taking charge of, okay, yeah, like we're going to eventually age, but what can I do to slow that process? What can I do to make sure that I'm living the, the best life I can at each age, set, you know, set point in my age? Can you discuss creatine a bit? Because it is probably one of our most highly researched supplements on the shelf, but it just seems like there's so many question marks right now when it comes down to things like loading and unloading and should we be on it all year long? Or is it just for men? right? Women are women taking it now, you know, what is it actually doing to the body? Can you just maybe give everyone a quick cliff notes uh, version onto those questions? Yeah. So uh, the quick answer is if you have a muscle and you use it, then you can probably benefit from creatine, right? It's just, it is one of the nutrients. It's how we provide, uh, how we create energy in the, in the muscle. And, you know, there is a hydrating factor to it as well. Um, so, you know, going back to the, you know, sirloin versus jerky, right. It just are your muscles hydrated in, in their best possible situation. So, um, so the problem is, so you basically have a, a tank that you can fill with creatine storage in your muscle, right. Um, it's not necessarily amazingly absorbed from food, um, you know, or, you know, it may not be high enough in the diet to fill that tank. So if you're just walking around with 75% of your power and then you top it off, cool, that's instant 25%, you know, power output, right. But um, so there is, if you have like an actual performance goal or a competition, we can speed it up how fast we fill that tank by doing the loading dose for a month or three weeks to a month. Um, but if you, if you just kind of want to get it, and to me, it's a consistency supplement. It's kind of like fish oil. Like if you miss a dose, you shouldn't notice it, right? It is getting that tank full and then just maintaining that. So how much uh, did I take out? do I have enough in my diet to replace it? So for most people, five grams daily is fine um, to get to that saturation point and then kind of hold it there. Um, you know, obviously the bigger you are, the, the more muscles you have or the smaller you are, the less you have. So it does vary, but general population, three to five grams daily usually gets you to a pretty good place. Um, it's funny to me because it was one of the most su earliest supplements to really uh, have some, uh, research behind it, it's, there's a lot of misconceptions about it. Um, and, you know, and it was back in the day when we were looking at all these loading doses and people were like, some is good, more is better, that we had some, you know, people would have some issues with GI issues or cramping. And the reason of that is if you take too much of anything, right, your body's going to want to dilute it, right? If you take too much salt, your body's going to pull some water and you're going to have some pretty negative GI issues uh, with increased water losses. So, uh, you know, and like you said, it's been studied since the 90s. There's thousands of studies on creatine and safety. So, um, you know, so it's funny that some of those kind of negative connotations of creatine still hang around, but I kind of equate it to, uh, you know, uh, where eggs were the demon for a while because they forgot to look at, you know, the sausage and the bacon that people were eating with their meals. You know, it was never the egg, right? It was just an innocent bystander. So uh, yeah, I think very few people have an issue with, with creatine dosing it at three to five, you know, some of the emerging research with 
creatine in the brain, you know, post-concussive, people are looking at, you know, 30, 40 grams a day. By no means do I recommend that, but just knowing that the body can handle significantly more under certain circumstances. So three to five is pretty, pretty manageable for most people. Awesome. Well, listen, Joel, we, we can't thank you enough for your time. I mean, I can't believe an hour already went. Uh, Derek, time flies, man, when you, when you get into a zone, but I, I think there's a lot of great, um, a lot of great content that we're going to give a lot of our viewers. I mean, Joel's been someone who's come on my, my Zoom calls for my challengers. They're already asking for him to come back on again soon because they learned so much. Uh, but if, if, if the people listening to this want to find more about Thorne, can you just tell them the website, maybe where they can follow you, et cetera? Yeah, so Thorne.com, pretty easy. You know, there's a huge library of uh, articles and research and video to kind of just not just about supplements, but in general health and wellness to begin with. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're active on Instagram and, and whatnot. And, and so you can always find us there. Uh, so we're, we're at a pretty exciting time in our company. We've, we've brought in kind of the testing side of our company and bringing in, you know, some of the science of artificial intelligence to really get people to that um, real specific what works for me and why. Um, so instead of the guesswork, so that's, it's a really exciting time in, in the industry as a whole of really pairing science with the quality products. So uh, there's a lot to learn on the website. It, you know, you can spend hours on there learning and, you know, we do, we do our doctors and myself, we host a weekly podcast. So you know, it's the Thorn podcast. It's on all platforms. Uh, and we really deep dive everything from like, we have one on mitochondrial health. So you can learn a lot about that. If that or the nicotinamide riboside uh, tickles your fancy and you want to learn a little bit more about the active aging, we've got, a, you know, an episode on that. We could spend hours on gut health, you know? So, uh, you know, anything you really want to know, uh, because we do have such a robust medical team, you know, we, we've kind of covered everything from, you know, legitimate clinical issues all the way through, you know, day-to-day -day general wellness. Well, I know Derek, we, um, Derek, I spend, I spend a lot of time on the Thorn Research site, so you, you should probably go check it out as well. And Dee, when I see you in person, I'll end up bringing you some product for you to try because I know how difficult it is to get it over to Canada, but um yeah, Joel, thanks a lot for the, for our uh, listeners um, who, who want to go see. I actually have a thorn store up at donsaladino.com. You can go check out some of my favorites. And uh, Derek, I'll make sure to put together a little goodie bag for you. Joel, thanks so much for your time, brother. I appreciate everything. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, let's do this again. Would love to. Thanks, Kate. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Joel.